Good day. I'm Joe Honeyhockey, and welcome to The Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our heavenly brothers and sisters, those people who, you might say, are officially endorsed role models. It's a pretty common conception that the Catholic Church is just an organization run by a bunch of old men with a bunch of draconian rules about how we're supposed to live, and we're supposed to blindly follow them. Yes, rules exist, just like they exist everywhere in every organized grouping of people. But what I think is important here with the Church is that I can't think of a single instance where we're forbidden from doing something or living a certain way simply for the sake of being forbidden from doing so. What I'm getting at here is that the Christian life, the Christian calling, is foundationally something positive, meaning we're challenged toward something, not barred from things. We're called to live like Christ, to imitate his example. This is the primary mission of each of us, and it can look very different from person to person. But in order to faithfully accomplish this, we must, by necessity, say no to particular things and particular lifestyles. To sum up this idea, the life of a Christian is about one's relationship with Jesus and how genuinely it is pursued. This is why we in the Catholic Church hold the saints in such high regard. We celebrate them because they authentically lived to emulate Jesus, to reflect his divine love in the world. The rules that have come about can be viewed more as guidelines formed by observing these saints. When one manages to live in the total freedom of the love of God, those rules are merely consequential and are indicative of a joyful soul. Alright, so what am I getting at with this long-winded intro? You see, we each have the privilege of living uniquely for God through our vocations. Our vocations is the most evident way that we can live in imitation of Christ. So today, I want to talk about two saints who accomplished this through their vocation of marriage to each other. So, do you want an example of a virtuous and spiritually freeing marriage? How about role models for that tough-to-navigate road known as parenting? Then may I introduce you to Louis and Zelie Martin. Yes, you may roll the intro now. These two are absolutely precious. Louis and Zelie are the first married saints who were canonized together. Perhaps this may just be the romantic in me, but that, coupled with them getting to share the same feast day, just really plucks at the old heartstrings. And I can only pray that my own vocation story may witness something so romantic. Anyways, their feast day is July 12th, and I see them called on as patrons of married people and parents. This is a first for the show, covering two saints at once. But you might say, wait, Joe, what about your guardian angels episode? 
You technically talked about billions of saints in that one. And you would be right. But I would also be right, for in that episode I spoke of billions, even more. But this is still the first episode where I only talk about two saints. Perspective. Anyways, the biographical portion will be interesting with this one, so let's dive in. Lewis Martin was born on August 22nd, 1823, and Marie Azeli Gurin, Zeli for short, was born on December 23rd, 1831. Lewis had four siblings, all of whom died before the age of 30, and Zeli had two siblings, a brother and a sister. As it happened, both were born into military families. Lewis seems to have gotten his love of nature and travel from the experience of traveling with his family. Zelie, on the other hand, found her childhood rather dismal, as it appears she didn't get along very well with her mother, and frequently argued with her brother. However, in spite of this, Zelie loved them all very much, and grew with a deep love for the faith. There's one story that's pretty cool that shows the history of faith in their family. Zelie's granduncle was a priest during the French Revolution. His name was Father William Maringurin. The Jacobins wanted him dead. And so, just so you're aware, the Jacobins were the political extremists who resorted to methods of terror to maintain control. These were the people after Zelie's granduncle. So one day, Father William is traveling about, bearing with him the Blessed Sacrament. Well, some thugs spotted him. So he took the Blessed Sacrament from his pocket, laid it on a rock, and said, Now, Jesus, you can take care of yourself. Let me take care of myself. And then he proceeded to beat up the thugs. Pretty great, eh? Faith runs in the family. Back to Louis and Zelie. Both of their families settled in Alençon, France. But no, this isn't yet the time for our lovebirds to meet. First, Louis would discern the priesthood. At the age of 23, he ventured to join the Augustinian monks at the Great St. Bernard Monastery, which was located in the Alps. Yes, this is the monastery where the dog breed came about. And yes, they were used as rescue dogs. <laughs> Lewis was drawn to the adventure of rescuing travelers along the dangerous passes. But alas, one of the requisites to join the order was knowledge of Latin, which Lewis did not have, so he was turned away. He returned home to Alençon to study up on the language, and at the same time became a watchmaker. A rather gifted one, as I understand. He actually spent a few years in Paris studying the art, and eventually earned himself the recognition as a master watchmaker. Now for Zelie. Zelie wanted to join the religious life, specifically the Sisters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul. However, due to health concerns, she was not admitted to the order. Following this, she took up the craft of lace-making, and became extraordinarily good, 
It seems that Lewis's mother actually met Zelly at one of these lace-making classes, and I definitely wanted her son to meet this woman. Now what comes next is a story that some might be familiar with, because it seemingly only happens in romance novels or fairy tales. The first time Lewis and Zelly saw one another was in April of 1858, while crossing the St. Leonard Bridge over the Sarth River there in Alençon. Now upon seeing him, Zelly heard a voice in her heart, a voice that she has ascribed to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This voice said, This is the one I have prepared for you. They met there on the bridge, and three months later were married. Louis was 34, and Zelly was 27. They actually remained celibate for the first ten months of their marriage, until they discerned that that wasn't the will of God. They then proceeded to have many children, and a very successful business to boot. Zelly's lace-making business took off, and was so successful that Lewis sold his watchmaking business to help manage it. Everything seemed quite ordinary on the surface here. But this was a saintly family, motivated by God, centered around God. In this way, they show us not only how to raise children and live holy lives amidst the world, but also how to deal with grief. You see... Zelly had prayed for many children, who would then be consecrated to God. He heard her prayers and answered, giving them nine children. However, sadly, four of them died in infancy. Zelly says this, quote, When I closed the eyes of my dear children and prepared them for burial, I was indeed grief-stricken. But... Thanks to God's grace, I have always been resigned to His will. End quote. Clearly, her faith in God's plan is what brought her, Lewis, and their family through these tragic times. What's more, their youngest child was born and soon grew very ill. Lewis and Zelly prepared for the worst, but the child made a recovery. Perhaps this child was God's greatest consolation to the faithful family, because this child grew to become one of the most beloved saints of modern times, Saint Therese of Lusseau. Much can be gathered as to the holy intention with which Louis and Zelly raised their children from Saint Therese's book, Story of a Soul, Here's a few points I'd like to highlight. They taught their kids how to pray. Lewis had a specially designated spot for prayer in the attic of their home. You could think of it as his own monastic cell. Now this is where he would spend much time in prayer and contemplation. The children were more than welcome in the room, so long as they prayed as well. Next... The family came first. Louis and Zelly quite clearly understood their mission was to bring their children to God. So, 
by their affection and love, they communicated to them the divine love of the Lord. Perhaps this is why their five surviving daughters all entered the religious life. I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Sadly, Zelie was not able to witness her daughters enter the convent as uh, she developed breast cancer. She grew ill and passed away on August 28th of 1877 at the age of 46. She and Lewis had been married 19 years, and Therese was only four at the time. Now, if you read Story of a Soul, you'll actually get Therese's account of her mother's death and how peaceful it was. Now, Lewis, after this, moved the family from Alençon to Lusseau, where Zelie's younger brother, Isidore, lived with his wife and two children. He feared he couldn't raise his girls on his own, so he retired there and invested his time in prayer and spending time in activity with his children, which included traveling around Europe. Basically, he retired to be a full-time dad. He witnessed three of his daughters enter the convent, much to his joy as he viewed their entry as giving his greatest treasures to God. Eventually, though, Lewis began to grow ill. His mind deteriorated, and in February of 1889, he was admitted by his two daughters, Leonie and Celine, to a mental facility in Cane. Three years later, he suffered a stroke and became paralyzed. Now, because he was no longer in danger of wandering around, they took him back to Lusso where he died at peace on July 29th of 1894. Finding himself united finally with Zelie and with God, whom he loved above all. Later, the bodies of Louis and Zelie Martin were exhumed and buried by the Basilica of Lusseau, dedicated to their daughter, and the words of their daughter decorated their graves saying, God gave me a mother and father more worthy of heaven than of earth. And now you've met Lewis and Zelie Martin. On top of it just being so spiritually insightful, I would highly recommend reading St. Therese's Story of a Soul if you want to better understand these two from the perspective of their daughter. Now, there's several things that stick out to me about the lives of Lewis and Zelie Martin that I find myself really wanting to talk about, partially because it always seems like the saints I cover on this podcast have some aspect of their life that's just really necessary for me to be aware of at the time I cover them, that I spend my own time with them. For these two, however... I am going to defer to an earthly friend of mine, Chloe Langer, who herself runs a couple podcasts of her own, the Catholic Podcast and Letters to Women. She also has a blog called The Old Fashioned Girl. Now, I've known her and her husband for several years now. Uh, I actually went to college with them. And it's uh, actually through her that I initially became aware of Lewis and Zelie. As I stated at the beginning, 
these two are often seen as patrons of marriage and parenting. I suppose by nature of that, they are also patrons of grief. So here's what Chloe had to say when I asked her about her friendship with the Martins. <clears throat> Quote, I grew up learning about St. Therese of Lusso, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I became friends with Therese's parents, Zelie and Louis Martin. In 2017, my husband Joseph and I lost our son Marion to miscarriage. The experience was isolating. It felt like we were alone, trying to navigate a season of grief that so many people experience, but so little talk openly about. Then I met the Martins, and I realized that Joseph and I weren't alone in our suffering. In addition to the little flower, Zelie was the mother to eight other children. Five of her daughters grew up to become religious sisters, but Zelie and her husband Louis also grieved the loss of four children. Three of their children passed away within their first year on earth, and they lost another at age five. Although losing children to miscarriage or an earthly death was a common experience in the 1800s, the honor and dignity that the Martins gave their children was inspiring to learn about, especially as Joseph and I discerned how we could honor Marion's short but beautiful life here on earth. The Martins often mentioned their children in heaven during conversation with their living daughters, even though they passed away before she was born, Therese wrote that her older siblings' intercession was part of her vocation story and her own journey to heaven. Now, as Joseph and I parent our daughter, Maeve, we get to tell her about her brother in heaven, who is interceding for her and our family too. When Zelie spoke about the death of her children with her sister-in-law, she wrote, they are not lost to me forever. Life is short and filled with crosses, and we shall find them again in heaven. My friendship with the Martins over the past few years has been invaluable. But out of all the things they have taught me, I treasure my friendship with the Martins most because they taught me how to hope again. End quote. Thank you very much, Chloe, for sharing that. In light of this, the virtuous behavior that shines out most at me would be their resilience, a.k.a. hope. Grief is such a difficult experience. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. What the Martins show us is that amidst those times, when it might even seem impossible to ever smile again. Faith that God's hand is guiding us to a brighter day keeps us strong. Why? Because that's the truth. The Lord weeps with us and assures us that great joy comes from great sorrow. That does it for this episode. Remain resilient in God's plan, especially in your vocation, and one day someone might just tell your story. See you next time. You may outro now.
terror to maintain. Uh, but I, I think I'm getting a little bit of my. Uh, I'm really switching up the format next time. So we'll see how that goes. See ya.